Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. My name is Scott Lemon. Uh, my wife Leslie is here with me um, to just to be with you and to bless you in, in the way we can. Um, Matt asked me to come and he said, he said I, I could preach anything I wanted. So I figured, you know, we've got until about, what, 2 o'clock? Uh-huh. Somebody will bring lunch? Yeah. It's the old story, you know, when a pastor looks at his watch, what does that mean? Yeah. Not, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. This morning I want to take some time to talk with you um, just about life. Yeah? We're, in a, we're in a weird time, aren't we? I've read, I've read stories about the 1918 flu pandemic. In fact, Leslie got, had a book, and then, then, I, then I read it, too, because she's the reader, and then she passes stuff off to me. So this is really good. You should read this. And, uh, and, then, and then, of course, we were in a pandemic. Uh, we landed in one after we read that book. We're like, wow, this is kind of weird. And it's just kind of this kind of going on, you know, just kind of keeps going on. Now, we're gonna, we're, so we're going to have the Zeta variant someday. That'll be the Z the Z variant, yeah, but right now we're just stuck in the beginning of the alphabet. And we have political drama, we have economic cr- craziness, you know, social upheaval. And it's, it's a time to, to stop and, and to look at that scripture on the back of your, back of your uh, sanctuary here. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is not sitting at the right hand of the Father wringing his hands. We do that sometimes, don't we? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how to pay those bills. I don't know how my health's going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus is never wringing his hands. He is speaking to the Father on our behalf, interceding for us. I want to go to the Word this morning, and as we do, I just want to take a moment just to pray and to focus on, on the Lord himself. Lord, as we come before you and, uh, to spend some time in your Word this morning, Lord, we ask that you'd help us to have your word in us daily. Uh, Lord, be something that would be on our, on our lips and on our hearts. Something that would uh, focus us, something that would, would propel us, that would encourage us, that would strengthen us, that would move us forward in ways that nothing else can. Lord, that your spirit would speak to us by, by the word. And Lord, that this morning, uh, you'd grant that as we spend this time in your word, that you would change us, Lord, for having been in your presence and, and worship as we sing and worship as we Spend time in the Word. We ask that you do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I have a, as I was thinking about being with you, um, I thought, you know, what, what would I, what I want to bring? And my, my prayer is always that I will, I will be a blessing uh, wherever I go. Um, that if it's, if it's at work, I'm a blessing there. And if I'm, if I'm here with you, maybe a blessing to you. So, if, uh, I, I prayed really hard that it would happen. So if I'm not, you need to talk to God. Okay, because he's the one I asked to make me that blessing to you. Where, well, where did the good old days go? Um, that, that's a question we ask a lot, especially, whoops, especially in times when things are not so good. When things are booming, the economy's great, my pocketbook is great, my, uh, my schedule's great, my, my friends are happy, my, my family's happy and well. Um, you know, we don't, we don't stop and say, oh, the good old days. We, we don't, just don't do that because today is really great. But when things like what we're in right now, pandemic and, and just all the uncertainty and upheaval, we tend to look back and go, 
<sighs> you can't get that wistful look in our eye and in our heart thinking, man, the good old days, where'd they go? I, I remember as a child, you know, as, as I look back on my own life, and I'm not terribly ancient, but I'm getting there. And I remember as a child thinking about all the ridiculous things my parents said to me. That's one of the things I think about when I look back. That I, that I would never say to my children. Never. They just say, maybe. Ooh, that was so maddening. It always meant no. So why would they just, why would they just not, why would they be evasive? Why would they just say no? But they wouldn't. They'd say, maybe. You know, I never figured that one out. And then, because I said so. Ooh. That just made my little heart just want to go you know, growl a little bit like I was a wild animal. You know, just because I said so. And then just wait till your father gets home. That only happened once in my remembrance. I came home and Leslie had just had it. Only once in all their childhood did this happen. And I came home and my children were nowhere to be seen. They were hiding from me because she had said, finally, in, in just exasperation, just wait till your father gets home. And they're like, no, this must be bad, whatever it is. I found them in their room, cowering, waiting for me. And then, of course, when you arrive at parenthood, these statements of clearly faulty logic somehow and much to your horror end up coming out of your own mouth. Right? You tell your children, because, because I, I can't think of any reason, just because I said so, just get in my car, we gotta go home. You know, maybe, oh boy, you know, those things. And when I was small, I also spent a lot of time at my grandparents' living room, listening to the adult conversations. Often these conversations were based on the seemingly continuous stream of TV news. I don't know how they got continuous streaming news then, in the 1960s, but they did somehow. And on one occasion, my grandmother Helen was talking to my grandfather George about some particularly grim news story. And she said, George, I just don't see how it can get any worse. And even then, at about seven years of age, I, I thought in my head, Grandma, you better wake up. You know, I didn't say that to her because that would have got me spanked then because spanking was okay then. I remember other little things, like how my mother would send me and my young sister to the hamburger stand on our bicycles, alone, without helmets, on busy streets, a few miles away. Now you'd be arrested, I think, for child abuse, but in those days it wasn't. She gave us two quarters for hamburgers and a Coke, each. And finally, how I, as a teenager, finally got my motorcycle. Mother finally gave in, let me have my motorcycle. And as a teenager, the gas stations in town had a gas war. Some of you remember what those were? They'd put the sandwich signs out and one guy would scrawl one number and just across the street we had three, in my, station, in my town, we had three gas stations on three corners. Little town. And, and they would get out, put the, the, the board, they'd put this, and then he'd look across the street, kind of like a challenge. And then the other guy would come out with his and he'd wipe off his, his price and he'd put another price a little lower down. And I just, I, I can remember driving to the Standard Station, which was the more expensive station in town, and for 37 cents a gallon, I filled up my motorcycle tank. Now granted, my motorcycle only takes three gallons, so it was a little over a dollar, but I thought it was kind of fun to pay a little over a dollar and fill my tank. 
it's not hard to ruminate, spend time just chewing over the good old days when we find ourselves in a recurring and seemingly endless viral pandemic. Civil unrest, political drama, continuing moral and ethical decay. So what does God have to say to us about this longing inside of us for the good old days? And I think part of it comes out of Ecclesiastes that I want to bring to you this morning. Now, Ecclesiastes was written by a guy that doesn't identify himself except kind of obliquely, but everybody agrees that it's Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote this book. And he says to the people of Israel, do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? And if you, if you want to read it as I think it was originally said, it's kind of, it has to be kind of whiny. Why is it the former days were better than these? Because it's, it's kind of the kid, you know, I wish we had ice cream. I wish, anyway, it's, it's got that feel to it. And he says, for it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Ouch! You know, I'm just kind of spending some time looking back, Lord, just thinking about what was happening. And, and, and now I read this in your word that, that it's not, this is not wise. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that when we ask why the former days were better than these, that we are engaging in foolish thinking. And it sounds like he is saying we are wasting our time. Well, you have to stop for a moment and ask, well, why is it foolish? I mean, people spend a lot of time. In fact, driving here this morning, uh, there was a, there was a, a, a songwriter and a, and, a, and a pianist playing a song about nostalgia, looking back and how, how it's, it's beautiful. That was a nice song. But why, why is it foolish? And I think first, it robs us of the perspective. The perspective, that's your first blank, that God intends for us. God expects us to have a particular perspective, a particular view, a worldview, but also a view of the day. And Psalm 118.24, I think, gives us that perspective that God is hoping that we're going to pick up and put on and, and wear. And he says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You ever had a day where it, it, it doesn't seem like this is the day that God gave you, maybe it came right straight from the pit of hell, you know, you, you got a day like that, you know, or maybe it's just not that great a day. And then you read the scripture, this is the day the Lord hath made, and you want to look up and go, really? Really? You know, I don't want to be critical, but couldn't you work a little harder on this one? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Without this perspective, I tend to complain. Uh, maybe, maybe you don't. I won't accuse you of that because I, I don't know you all that well. But I tend to complain. I place the difficulties of today in contrast to those marvelous, mythical days of old. When hamburgers cost a quarter. You know, bread cost, a whole loaf of bread probably cost 50 cents. You know, like a gallon of milk for some cheap price. And we didn't have to wear a mask. Yeah, unless it was Halloween. Then we, then we could wear masks. I shouldn't mention that in church, I guess. Uh, but hey, you know. But yeah, th things were very different. And we, and we, and we could just, just take a second and go, oh, it was so much better in those old days. And Solomon, writing as Ecclesiastes, says, you know, he says in a rather eloquent way, 
it's not from wisdom that you ask this. Basically, he's saying you're being foolish. You're wasting your time. And we kind of like, we kinda, it's kind of like, ouch, you, you know, we were kind of feeling okay, and, and you know, we were, we were kind of wistful about the old days, and, and, and now you kind of just, you know, gave us a little, little, little tap, not too hard, but a little tap on the, on the hand saying, hey, wake up. That's, that's not the kind of thinking you want to engage in. What you want to think about is the fact that this day, right now, whether it's, a, whether it's a, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's, it's a minus 4 or you know, it's a 12, that today is the day the Lord has made. This is the day he has given you. He says, and the psalmist says, rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Second, it keeps us from the underlying truth of what God has prepared for us. Matt, Matt told me that, uh, your pastor said, told me that you're in, a, in the book of Ephesians. Is that correct? No? Oh, maybe I, maybe I misheard. But if, Ephesians has a great verse in it that if you haven't memorized, I hope you will. It's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God so that no one can boast, not as a result of works. For we are God's workmanship. This verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 sets us up knowing where our salvation comes from. From grace. From the grace of God. Through faith and not from ourselves. We didn't work ourselves into it. We didn't, you know, we didn't clean ourselves up so well that God finally said, okay, Scott, come on in. You know, no, I still wasn't, I'll never be clean enough for God until he touches me and cleanses me. But it's not by works. So no, none of us can boast saying, yeah, I was, I was a real bad guy. And then I cleaned myself up and, and God, God, you know, God finally noticed me. Who was that shiny guy right over there? Oh, Scott, he's all cleaned up. Come on, Scott. No. God sought me before and you before you were ever cleaned up. However clean you think you are. God was seeking you. God died for you. God died for me. Before we were ever in a position to think we were okay, worthy of God's attention. It's not from works that none of us can boast. And he says, the writer of Ephesians says, we are God's workmanship. We sometimes think that we spend a lot of time getting ourselves all put together and disciplined and educated and trained and get some experience. All the while, we're God's workmanship. He's the one putting us together in ways that make sense and are profitable and will bless others in the long term. Not just our own selfish ambitions about what we want to do and who we want to be and, and how we want people to see us. That's kind of important to us, isn't it? How people see us. God wants to exert his energies and power upon us by his spirit to build us into something that is beautiful. Something that is someday to be finished in his presence. Working toward that from, as Paul says, from glory to glory, he's changing us. But we're God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Interestingly enough, those good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
God has an idea and a calendar for you. He opens his day planner, if that's what he uses. I don't know. You know he may use some other you know, organizational method. He opens his calendar, day planner, to, to August 22nd. And he says, today I have for you, ooh, look, I have some surprises today. I have some, some good things, some hard things. And then in the evening, we're going to get together and sit down and resolve them all together. But God has something planned for you. He's got good works already laid out ahead of you. Sometimes we think we have to dream up something to do for God. I love the story that Les and I encountered in a course we took, that a girl was trying to start a Bible study on a college campus really hard. She was trying to start a Bible study and could never pull it off. Just She'd go from dorm to dorm, and she just was trying and trying and trying to start this Bible study, and it just, it just never happened. And she would talk to her, her pastors, and they would give her pointers and encouragement and strategies and tactics to start this Bible study with other, other women on, on the campus. Never happened. So while she was in the dorm one day, she was just kind of lamenting the fact that she was kind of a failure. You know, she tried to do this over and over again. Couldn't make it happen. And this gal walks up to her and says, says hey, are, 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 you a, are you a Christian, aren't you? And the gal's like, well, yeah. It's like got a name tag on or something. You know? She says, well, we, we heard that you, know, you, you were studying your Bible and you were trying to get a Bible study started. And she says, yeah, I've been trying for a couple of years now to try a Bible study, and it just not happened. And the gal said, well, you know, I've got a bunch of gals that are meeting with me in my, in my dorm room, and we're trying to study the Bible, but we don't understand it. Guess what happened? She goes over there and helps them in a, in a, in a profitable and organized way approach Scripture, begin to understand it, see who the Lord is. For two years, she'd been trying to do this on her own with probably some really good tactics, really good advice, really good strategies, really good elements. Maybe she has some little great little handouts and invitations she posted around campus. Trying so hard to get a Bible study started when God had already started it. What she needed to do is the same thing we need to do in our days. Understand that God has already prepared good works for us to do. That this is the day that He's made. And that he's got something waiting for us. Sometimes we're just too busy or distracted or blind to see. And yet God has it right there in front of us. And all we have to do is stop long enough for him to say in your ear, whisper, Scott, just stop for a second, will you? Just stop for a second. And then you discover something that you could have never created on your own that God has already working at. Thirdly, it prevents us from acting, and our time is short. No matter how old you are, your time is short. I hate to tell you that, that if you're, if you're 14 and you live, you live to be you know, 80, you, know, you still only got that many years. If you're 90, you know, you got less years than the 14-year-old, maybe. Such a shock when I was a young person to have somebody in our choir. We were 16 years old. And she died in a car wreck. And it was the first time for many of us somebody close to us had died. And it was, it was, it was a shocker. Because we all thought, we're, we're invulnerable. You ever get that feeling when you, when you were young, maybe not so much anymore, that uh, you're invulnerable, you kind of do anything, and if you got hurt, you'd heal, you know, it'd be fine. 
But sometimes your, your life doesn't go like you planned. And our time all of, for all of us is short. In John chapter 9, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's speaking about his own limited time on earth. He says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. You like that? As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. I don't know if that night's coming tomorrow, or next week, or next year, or in 50 years or 100. I don't know. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any, there's no, there's no calendar along with this particular passage. You got nice if it's in the margins, you know, those study Bibles, they could tell you something. I don't have one of those. Night is coming when no one can work. As we look at our lives and the days we have available to us, I know, I feel like some days I just kind of, just kind of meander through. You ever have one of those days you just kind of just end up at the end of the day and go, where did it go? I'm not sure I was paying attention. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, can I rewind this like that one movie with, uh, with, uh, with, where they had the Groundhog Day where it keeps going over and over again? I can make a chance to do that over again. Maybe I can get it right. And God has us with these days that we have, these 24-hour periods. And sometimes we think, well, you know, nothing's going to happen today. Look at, look at today. It's overcast. It's, you know, or it's sunny or whatever it is. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just one more day. But what if today or tomorrow or the next day is the day that God shows up in your life in some surprising, miraculous way? Would you like to be ready for that? Or, or when God shows up, it's like, whoa, whoa, oh, 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 God, you are there. You were reading your Bible. I thought maybe... Well, maybe you, your head kind of tipped over. Maybe you were sleeping while you were reading. You know, that God shows up in some, some surprising ways. You look across the, the history of the faith that we share, and God shows up in these amazing ways. You look at the, the history in the Bible. I still kind of, still kind of go after the, the Moses thing and the burning bush. You know, it's kind of like, especially now with all the wildfires, looking <laughs> The bush is on fire. Put it out, man. And God shows up and he speaks to Moses out of the bush. And, and you do realize, right, that Moses was 40 or so when he left Egypt. And he has been out in the back 40 with the sheep for 40 years. Now you think about that and God saying to you, this is the day the Lord has made, Moses. Rejoice and be glad in it. Oh yeah, one more with the sheep. Okay, Lord. Forty years. I'm thinking, oh, let's see, how much time do I have left? And, you know, uh, 40 years, this guy going to show up in a, some kind of surprising. And then God gives him the commission to go back to Egypt to deliver his people and to bring them all the way up to the the border of the promised land. Maybe you were in your 40-year period in the desert. I don't know. But I would encourage you to be ready, be watchful, 
look for what God's going to do because I think he is going to show up. Maybe this week will be the time you get to pray with that family member who you kind of gave up on. You know, they're the one that people, nobody wants to invite to Thanksgiving because they're always a problem. Some of you have them, some of you don't. God bless you if you don't. God bless you if you do. You have a family member, and, and maybe this is, this, is the, this is the time they're going to come to you and say, hey, talk to me about this God thing that you've been, you've been talking about for years. I, I haven't been listening, but now I'm ready. Maybe you've been seeking the Lord for a change in, in your job. Maybe you've been seeking the Lord for a healing. And you've done everything. You have, you have, you have prayed, you've fasted, you've cried. Ask the Lord, please, would you do this for me? Today is the day the Lord has made. Maybe today is the day he's going to accomplish it. Don't you want to be ready when he comes to act on your behalf? Don't you want to be ready for the surprising thing he might do? We had a a really terrible thing happen at the VA clinic where I work. One of our vets took his life in the parking lot on Monday. And I was... I was just, everybody just felt devastated, even those people who didn't witness this thing. Some did and were very, very traumatized. That was just very heavy. I, 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 Tuesday morning, I did not want to go into work. Like, uh, oh, and, and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday weren't that great either. But it's just a heaviness. And I just said, no, I got to go in. Not, not for any reason, but just to say, this is, this is the day that I have. I'm going to use it. I get there, and the director of the clinic walks up to me. When I first walk in the door, I'm a little early, and she says, hey, uh, we want to get the people together this morning. Would you, would you offer a, a prayer of blessing for the healers? And I'm sitting there. You are sneaky. Convince me to go into work and get an opportunity to pray for all these people, most of whom aren't believers. But I get to pray over them and bless them, Jesus, in your name. I think, what a missed opportunity if I just said, you know what, I'm just going to call in today. I'm not coming in today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He is the one who has saved me by his grace. He is the one who has established me, not by my own hand, by my own works, my own intelligence, education, or training. He has done it. He is the one who has created me in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared ahead of time for you and me to do. But we have to show up. Sometimes that's the hard part, you know? Just showing up. And that's sometimes all God asks of us. Just show up. Just show up and be there. I'll let you know what to do next. My clinic director, who I don't think is a believer, asks me to pray over her her clinic. Really? Really? It's a federal facility. Can we do that? I did. Maybe they'll arrest me tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah, pray to where them. Bless them in Jesus' name. You may have those opportunities too. And part of it is just showing up, just being there. 
Just being there to be a blessing to somebody who is desperately relying on a word from God, even though they don't know that's what it is they need. As I often say when we leave, leave a gathering of, of believers, I said, let's go out into the world among a bunch of people who don't know Jesus yet. Because I believe that we are the agents by which God brings his spirit into contact with all these people. Yes, he's already working on them. Yes, he's already speaking to them. Maybe some of them are ready. Maybe some of them are just completely resistant. Maybe even kind of angry and mean. People you wouldn't want to dare say, can I pray for you? And yet God brings us into those circumstances. Sometimes when people are very vulnerable. Sometimes when something very difficult has happened. And allows us to be his agent of blessing in that place. An amazing Christian worker, Mother Teresa, said on this subject, yesterday's gone, tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today, let's start. Isn't that a great statement? Yesterday is gone. And it's a little bit like teaching somebody who's learning to drive not to focus on the rear view mirror. You ever teach somebody to drive and they're just doing that? It's like, what you're going to hit's out there, not back there, you know, unless you're backing up. You know, keep your eyes on the road. That's just for reference. You know? That rearview mirror can, can turn us away from what God has for us. It can distract us. It's not wrong to say, man, didn't ice cream taste better in 1962? I think it did. And plus, I could, I could then eat a four-scoop hot fudge sundae and, and not get any more of this, right? Now I have to pay a little bit for it. And it's not wrong to look back just to say, hey, that, you know, those, those were, we had some great times. But don't let it distract you. Don't let it detour you. Don't let it change your perspective so much that you're not looking forward in the direction God has for you to go. Let's focus our attention on today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Maybe today, maybe this week, is the day that God's going to show up in a surprising in an un, unsuspected way. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. Lord, how you have established yourself as our God. And Lord, as we, as we thank you for seeking us out, Lord, chasing us down in some, in some cases, Lord, and, and, and finally getting our attention. Lord, that we can come to you and expect, Lord, that we truly are your workmanship. You're constructing us in ways, inside and out, that we could never have accomplished by any other means. You're making us people who stand on the rock that is solid. Lord, you're giving us a hope and a future. Lord, in the middle of difficult times, you're making us hopeful people. And Lord, I ask that you would help us each day to awaken with that hope. That hope that today is the day you're going to do something. Lord, big or small that's going to let us be a blessing and an encouragement to others. And Lord, in turn, be blessed and encouraged. Lord, we ask that you help us to be those people who go out among the people who don't know you yet. And Lord, that are your people in that place. To bring your spirit, your refreshing, your light into a dark and chaotic world. We ask that you do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask that you would bless Matt and Kaylee as they're away. Bring them back refreshed. Uh, Lord, ready, ready again to serve in the places you've given them. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 